Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Look at him. I don't care if that's Roger Goodell texting you now. I'm going to need you to explain yourself with some of these shenanigans you've been involved with today for the Fantasy Football Marathon. Yes, if I could stay up, I will. Okay. Try to stay awake for at least the next 10 minutes. Your touchscreen didn't work. Here you are doing some kind of fantasy combine. Yep. Uh, and then, wait, my favorite part is coming. Wait for it. Sexy Schefter? Is this Schefter after dark? <laughs> There's explanations for this, of course, Jamel. We started out in a medical jacket, then we went to a shirt, and they said, what do you have planned for our third hit of the day? First, it was at 3.30 in the morning. Second, it was at 4.30 in the morning. Third, it was at 5.30 in the morning. Haven't slept, getting loopy. And like and, I had and look at this. thank God we didn't have a hit at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say to you right now. Perfect conditions for you to be on the six. And you still have several more hours left in the fantasy football marathon. But for now, let's just focus on the best 60 minutes of your day. We will talk more fantasy uh, with Matthew Barry and dive into the futures of LeBron James and Kirk Cousins. But for now, let's discuss the immediate future of Ezekiel Elliott. Now, as you tweeted about an hour ago, Adam, Ezekiel Elliott is appealing his six-game suspension for domestic violence. Elliott's representatives reportedly plan to provide evidence and documentation that proves Elliot was perhaps being harassed uh, by his accuser because he threatened to end his relationship among a lot of other things that they plan to present. Meanwhile, of course, Dak Prescott, he was very supportive of Ezekiel Elliott today, as you would expect him to be. Um, But Adam, given this new evidence, um, or if you want to look at it that way with this harassment report and all these things they plan to present, do you still expect for the six-game suspension to hold. Well, a couple things, Jamil. First of all, the hearing is going to be held on August 29th. Mm -hmm. And Roger Goodell will either hear that appeal himself or he will hand it off to a designee of his choosing, which likely would be Harold Henderson. So it'll be either Roger Goodell or Harold Henderson. And of the information that has surfaced since Ezekiel Elliott's suspension in the last few days, There doesn't appear to be anything that the league didn't already know and consider before it handed down the report. Now, Ezekiel Elliott plans to attack the credibility of his accuser, and he's going to raise the point that witnesses heard her say that she's going to, quote unquote, ruin his career. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is the NFL had that information before and considered it in its decision before it handed down the suspension, so they can continue to attack the credibility. The problem that Ezekiel Elliott now is going to have is convincing the league, which already ruled on his discipline here and is going to be hearing the appeal, that there's something different. And there's apparently not going to be much different other than them attacking the credibility of the woman, which gets us back to where we were all along. She had one claim, he had another claim, and the league had a third claim down the middle which sided with the woman despite the fact that the prosecutor in Columbus said that he believed that there was physical evidence that occurred between the two parties, but not enough for the Columbus prosecutor to pursue charges. Now, does the league, are they aware of how all of this looks? Because hearing, uh, like you, um, and obviously you have more intel and insight uh, than, than I do looking at from afar, but when you look at some of 
the holes, say, uh, in uh, in her accounts mm-hmm. of things. When you look at the fact that this is not exactly cut and dry, a six-game no. suspension seems very heavy-handed for somebody who, while they certainly have not been the most mature throughout their early NFL career, but this seems really heavy-handed for someone despite all these holes and questions that the rest of us have. So given that there have been other holes and questions in previous NFL investigations, they seem to be a little unconcerned that all of this information is out there for the public to to consume, and yet we're looking at Ezekiel Elliott being suspended uh, for six games. We can say that the league has been inconsistent in its domestic violence policies and the enforcement of the rules that it has come up with. We can say that all we want. I think at this point in time, after the experience the league had with Ray Rice, after the experience the league had with Greg Hardy, after the experience the league had with Josh Brown, the league would much rather be criticized for being too harsh on a player when it involves domestic violence than be criticized for being too soft. Even if it's potentially unfair well, to the person is, at the center Well, if it is, then Ezekiel Elliott and his people always will have the option if the appeal process does not go the way they want, and my guess and sense right now would be it won't, mm-hmm. to take that case to court. Now, we've seen what happened before. Tom Brady did that. It did not work out. That option does exist for Ezekiel Elliott and his representation, and they're going to consider everything once the appeal is heard and ruled upon. So it's possible that could happen. But again, I think here's a case where the league believes, despite the claims and protestations of others familiar with the case, that it has seen enough evidence to give Zeke Elliott six games. It's not going to be swayed. And the league will not say that it has anything to do with its prior decisions. But I think we all know the league's history with prior domestic violence incidents and the league not going tough enough. And this time, I think the league would rather go tough and be criticized for being too tough than to have it go the other way. Uh, Real quick, uh, it was reported that Roger Goodell, he didn't attend the hearing prior to when uh, discipline was actually issued. Is that pretty unusual? Listen, he gets to ultimately be in charge of this, whether he's at the ruling or the hearing or not. It's his power, his jurisdiction, his realm to do whatever he wants at that point in time. So whether or not he was there, um, he gets to say what the suspension is. He gets to say who's going to hear the appeal, and he ultimately gets to make the decision. Right, so he doesn't necessarily, it's not required that he be face-to-face with And he hired four people with various levels of experience Mm -hmm. in those areas that he trusted to inform him of the right decision, and they came to a consensus to inform him before he made his decision. All right, well, go get some more caffeine, some five-hour energies. Um, I'm sure that this will be a a much longer night for you than it will be for me. So thank you so much for joining me. All right. Uh, It's been speculated for months whether it's Kirk Cousins' fault or Washington's fault uh, that the quarterback doesn't have a long-term deal. He's currently on the franchise tag for the second straight year, but Cousins told our own Sal Palantonio that he wants to be a Washington lifer. I would love to be. Um, you know, if you could say draw it up, I'd, I'd be a Redskin the rest of my career. When you look at the best of the best, those quarterbacks played with one team. And if you pointed a couple guys who didn't, who changed teams, it really was against their will. I think if Joe Montana or Peyton Manning had their way, they would have stayed where they had won Super Bowls and, and played so well, wouldn't have had to, to leave. So my desire is to stay with one team my entire career, and that would be Washington. Lewis Riddick joins me now. I'm 
confused <laughs> by all of can this. We, can we just put like a big eye roll emoji on the screen right now? Like, and really, okay. Kirk Cousins is not the guy I would necessarily put in the camp of, you know, trying to spin things, yeah. trying to sell things, trying to sell a position, you know, doing kind of a, a PR type of move because he's a pretty genuine guy. But sure. That can't, that can't be right, right? Uh, I want to call him a liar. No, no but I, like, I don't, what, what? I don't either. But look, you wouldn't <laughs> be taking the tactic of playing it out year to year at this point if you really wanted to be there. Or, okay, if you don't want to believe that part of it, then, hey, look, the latest offer that the Redskins made before the deadline passed as far as being able to strike a long-term deal, how come there was never really a counter offer that says, hey, look, this is what it will take if you want to play for the Washington Redskins for the rest of your career – Shoot for the moon. Tell them exactly what you want. What do you want? 26, 27, 28 million a year? You want 80 million guaranteed? What's the worst the Redskins can say? No? And then you're just going to play on the franchise tag and then kind of play out the strategy that you're already playing out? If you really want to do that, then make the counter offer and let's see if you can get somewhere with it. See, shoot for the moon see if they'll give it to you. You know, try and you see if you can appeal to Dan Snyder and have him do some of the things he used to do in the past, which was set the market. And he knows he used to sign bad deals, sign some bad deals for some of these players, but he didn't do that. Yeah. So to say that right now seems a little disingenuous, but we'll see. We'll see what happens once this season's over, see yeah. if they strike a deal then. It just seems, but I will give Kirk Cousins and his camp, for that matter, um, this much credit is uh, usually in a lot of these situations, fans, sentiment, kind of sides with the owners. Now, mm-hmm. I realize we're talking about Washington here, sure. and there's a completely different perception yeah. of their management and their infrastructure, but he has completely turned this thing to make them look as if they're incompetent. Not that, again, that's hard to do sometimes, dealing with them, but he's turned this thing completely into his favor, both financially and from the fact that now I think there's this clamoring in D.C. to get Kirk Cousins paid. It's very unusual how yeah, that has it, worked out for him. It sure is. Look, I was there for a lot of the time period where the reputation that follows Washington right now as far as their inability to really take care of players in a financially responsible type of way was formed. Mm-hmm. I was there. I saw a lot of the bad contracts, so I know how that went. But they have kind of a, they have a methodology right now that's much different as far as how the contracts are negotiated and how the contracts are framed and then ultimately how they're signed. So I, I don't think it's fair to hold them to that same you know, to that same reputation as they were in the past, as they had in the past. It's not that way anymore. As far though, has he turned it to his favor? Sure. I mean, really, what he's doing is every year he gives himself the option to either one get franchised at a ridiculous number, and two maybe possibly have some mobility as far as being able to change teams and get out of there. The risk, obviously, is what we all know. Mm. It takes one blindside hit. That's right. Or a bad year. Although I would say this, even a bad year for Kirk, well, I don't think really hurts is, him anymore. It's so soft for quarterbacks. That's right. But he's look, he's he's playing it. He's rolling the dice every year. More power to him. Yeah, um, I wish I just had his agent. That's all. <laughs> now my agent's watching this like, what? What are you talking about? I thought we were here. Uh, thank you, Lewis. Yeah, uh, no problem. For, well, well, actually, real quick, let me ask you about Tom Brady. He said okay. something interesting. Um, he was talking about the expectations for the Patriots. He said it's unfair uh, to me in my mind. It really is a setup. Uh, you're talking about some magical years that we've had and may never be duplicated again. He was asking about expectations and how they're already being compared yeah. to other teams. Nobody is going to put the Patriots in unfair in the same sentence, are they? I mean, look, I realize in August we're already talking about this team being undefeated. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know where you side. Do you side with Brady or do you, you know what? think I, he's I th- just trying I to think, lower the expectations? I think Tom absolutely is repeating the mantra of his head coach. And, look, Tom's the greatest player of all time, one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest. And what he is showing you is that philosophy up there at the very top of that roster 
they will march to the beat that Bill sets forth. And you know, Bill's not having that kind of talk. <laughs> no, he just I don't isn't. Any of them you know, and, and, but, what? and what's We're interesting, and his be- and his, you know what, the coolest thing in the world for them, though, is that their very best player, who will be going down as one of the best players of all time, will not budge from that methodology and, and that message. And that's a cool thing to see, but. It's not going to stop us. All right. Well, we still cool. want them to go 16 and 0. <laughs> I certainly do. I yeah. mean, why not? It'll create a lot of drama. Yeah. Uh, everybody can catch you at the top of the hour on the fantasy football spe- uh, special as you continue That's right. with this round the clock 28 hours of coverage All here. All the way to the end. All right. Thank you, Lewis. All right. All right um, LeBron, the focus of not quite a Woj bomb, but perhaps a Woj firecracker. Adrian Wojnarowski wrote today that the Cavs no longer have. Blind faith that LeBron James will stay in Cleveland. And rather than risk being stuck again with nothing, if LeBron decides to leave next summer, the Cavs are trying to protect themselves long term by chasing a young star now, which could mean sacrificing, oh, I don't know, a title now. And we know how much LeBron James loves to take a step back. Whee! What a predicament. And with that, I welcome in my man, Dave McMiniman, who is in one of my favorite childhood places, Cedar Point, uh, for a LeBron James Family Foundation event. I'm so jealous. You better get on the Magnum. I don't think they have the demon drop anymore. But anyway, let's get to this LeBron stuff, Dave. Uh, Is it realistic, though, for LeBron to expect the Cavs front office to build a championship contending team when he won't commit to them long term? Well, Jamel, let's look at the way LeBron James has conducted his con- career. He's always played out the season, the contract in front of him, and then dealt with the next to come when it was the appropriate time. This is no different than when he came back to the Cavs in the summer of 2014. It wasn't like he signed a long-term deal then, and the Cavs uh, lured him from Miami from a very stable situation where he made four straight NBA Finals where he won two championships with the promise that we're going to spend to be a perennial contender as long as you wear a Cavs uniform. And so there shouldn't be any difference heading into this season. LeBron's still in the contract. He'll still be wearing a Cavs uniform. And if you think about it, if he didn't approach things this way, then probably if you're in a situation like being down to a 73-win Warriors team, 3-1 in the NBA Finals, you would say, oh, you know, we got to win three games. But no, LeBron said we got to win game five. Then we got to win game six. And, of course, they won that championship in 2016. That's the same mentality he's bringing into this process this season. All right. Now, because the Cavs, they now seem pressed to find another young star, that they're looking ahead uh, to their own future. Uh, Does that increase the likelihood that Kyrie will be traded sooner rather than later? It seems like he might have a little bit of leverage there now. Yeah, well, certainly. But then the idea that Kyrie has already put out the trade request with the thought that perhaps LeBron is leaving in summer 2018 because he would be playing with a roster that was built around LeBron, not around his own skill set. So even if LeBron were to leave, that wouldn't necessarily alleviate his concerns. In terms of the timing of this deal, right now, Cavs GM Kobe Altman is in Tel Aviv for a Basketball Without Borders event. You would say that, oh, that would probably you know, shut down some trade talks. He wouldn't be fielding phone calls. Well, two of the other executives there with him, Spurs general manager and president R.C. Buford. And, of course, the Spurs are one of the four teams that Kyrie Irving requested to be traded to. And also Tim Connolly, the GM of the Denver Nuggets. And we know that the Cavs had three-way talks in terms of a trade with the Nuggets when they tried to acquire Paul George before the trade deadline. And the Nuggets have the type of young assets that could be valuable for the Cavs to give up a guy like Kyrie Irving if they could get Jamal Murray and company. So uh, maybe we will see some movement in terms of trade talks, even though 
Kobe Altman is overseas right now. Mm, well, isn't that interesting? Um, all right, uh, real quick, uh, Dave, you're at Cedar Point for a LeBron James Family Foundation event. Uh, what's he going to treat everybody to tonight? Didn't he uh, basically shut the park down for them? Yeah, uh, 7,000 students and their families are here today. Uh, it's the annual event for LeBron James's Family Foundation. Uh, they've been doing it for six straight years, and it's really celebrating the accomplishments uh, that they've achieved over the last year. And, and, you know, it's a special class this summer because the third graders uh, that they enter into the program today uh, will be among the first students enrolled in the I Promise School, which is a school that LeBron is opening up in 2018 in conjunction with the Akron Public School System. So here's a guy, he walks the walk and he talks the talk, and, and they're enjoying the roller coasters today and, and cotton candy and all that. But during the past year, uh, over $16,000 in groceries have been handed out to these families. Uh, LeBron's program, 800 school uniforms, 160 uh, team uniforms, sporting uniforms, 215 bicycles, and hundreds and hundreds of Cavs tickets so they can see the man number 23 play down in Cleveland. So certainly a, a really special day. Even if LeBron goes somewhere in the summer of 2018, uh, he's still going to be taking care of uh, the students and the families here in Akron, Ohio. Yeah, what he has done in that community, his legacy is set, if he, even if he never plays another game in a Cavaliers uniform. Uh, thank you, Dave. And for all those who don't know Cedar Point, if you love roller coasters, best place to go for sure. All right, about to go hard in the paint with my man Matt Berry. And I'll tell you what, if you had designs on owning either Allen Robinson or Blake Bortles, here's why you might want to back off of that. Bro. Granted, I don't know why you would be drafted Blake Bortles necessarily, but Allen Robinson was somebody who was a bit of a fantasy disappointment last year, so still in And that, because of passes because of like that. that. By the way, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to Blake Bortles. <laughs> I mean, you have no idea. Doug Marone, his head coach, when asked how many times he wanted Blake Bortles to throw this year, said zero. And I'm not joking. I mean, he was serious, and this was on Jaguars.com. I mean, like, stay away, <laughs> right? Emergency situation. And off to Leonard Fournette. And off to Leonard Fournette again. And this is one of the reasons why we're down on Allen Robinson this year. Um, Colts owner Jim Irsay was pretty vague about when Andrew Luck would be ready to play. Said there was no guarantee he'd be ready for week one. So, Matthew, how should fantasy owners approach Luck's draft stock? I think you have to be a little bit nervous, obviously. And it's not just about Andrew Luck, but it's T.Y. Hilton, as you see there. It's Jack Doyle. It's Dante Moncrief, because all due respect to Scott Tolzien, mm. he is not Andrew Luck. Right. I, I, I don't mind. If Luck drops enough because of the injury concerns, I don't have a problem with it. Quarterback's so deep, Jamel, you know this. You can... You can you can, you can you make can, do. Yeah, for a yeah. couple of weeks till Luck gets back. Um, this guy, Le'Veon Bell, still hasn't reported for training camp, and head coach Mike Tomlin still isn't happy about it. He sent a strong message to Bell saying, I have no idea when he's going to show up. I need him here yesterday, not only for us, but for him. Should any of this deter fantasy owners from taking him in the top two? No, because Mike Tomlin isn't going to say, like, uh, sorry, you weren't here. I'm not using... <laughs> <laughs> like one of the, one of the a little bit important. different with a running back. Yeah, right? of course. Now, Le'Veon Bell should still be one of the first two picks in your draft, no question. Yeah, because I, I wouldn't imagine that this holdout is going to really have 
uh, he's going to lose a step. I know he's been working out and everything. So no, um, He's playing for a deal. Yes, he'll be fine. So he'll be fine. Now, speaking of running backs, obviously some very serious circumstances involving Ezekiel Elliott with the six-game suspension. But Zeke's average draft position is still third. How should fantasy owners approach Ezekiel Elliott? Well, not third overall, obviously. I mean, six games. And it seems weird to be talking about fantasy football with such an – but that is the job that I have. So I will tell you that missing six games, and he's not going to play until week eight, obviously, because the Cowboys have a bye in that phrase. I have Ezekiel Elliott as a late second rounder, early third rounder. Again, think about, speaking of Le'Veon Bell last year, missed four games, was the third best running back in fantasy. Melvin Gordon missed three games last year, was the seventh best running back in fantasy. Ezekiel, if you draft Ezekiel Elliott into the second, early third, and you just reach to grab Darren McFadden, you've got the number one, a, a top five running back for a third and an eight, mm. third and a seven. You know mm. what I mean? And I, I think that's a deal worth making. All right. Well, I tell you what, I know you have a lot more uh, that you have to do today and yep. tonight, but you've been strong, my man. So I don't know what's running it. through those veins right now, but you're killing it. Uh, the new show, real quick, starts. Fantasy show tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. And if they let us do a second one, it'll be... <laughs> It'll be on uh, the day after that, 5 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2, every day throughout that. Also available, watch ESPN, ESPN app, ESPN Fantasy app, YouTube channel, ESPN. <laughs> We're trying to get it everywhere. All the usual channels. Yeah. Uh, the advice for a new show? Tell you what, don't curse. My co-host does that. It doesn't work out. Michael Bennett, Marshawn Lynch, and Malcolm Jenkins are all picking up where Colin Kaepernick left off. Bennett, though, said after sitting for the national anthem over the weekend that he intends to sit for the anthem the rest of the season. Now, uh, Martel, or Michael Bennett, excuse me, will join the six tomorrow um, to talk about his decision. But here's his brother Martellus on his brother's protest. Oh, support Michael everything he does. I think he's very well educated on what it is that he wants to happen in the world and what he's what he's trying to communicate. And um, I think he does an awesome job. And I love him. I love him to death. And I think. Um, I think he's, he's very courageous um, in the position that he's in and the th- things that he says. And I'm very proud to be his brother and to see him make the impact that he does. Not with just like stances like that, but the work that he does in the community, the type of father that he is. So, I mean, if there's anybody you could look up to is, is Mike. Drew Michael tweeted then, obviously yesterday, that thought athletes should keep opinion out of it. Safe to say you disagree with that assessment? Uh, yeah, I mean... It's like saying you're a doctor, you have no opinion. You're a teacher, you have no opinion. Who gives a if you are you're, you're a truck driver? We don't care what you got to say. Or you're, you're a reporter. Why, the you, why are you writing something about politics? You should stick to sports. Like, like it makes no sense. I worry about the, the country and the world and the state that we're in. Not so much for myself, because I feel like I'm already but um, but more for my daughter and my kids. Like I want to better the future for her, so that she don't have to go through what we're going through. And there's a lot of stuff that's repeating and stuff that shouldn't. It's 2017. I shouldn't have worried about guys and lynch mobs and in Virginia. I should be driving a flying car right now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what the hell? Wow. Uh, Kenny May joins me now here on The Six. Now, Kenny, as you know, this has become such a polarizing issue in sports. And lucky for Michael Bennett, Martellus, too, and Marshawn Lynch, uh, they don't play for Hugh Jackson. Take a listen to what he had to say about the national anthem protest. Well, I think everybody has a right to do, you know, and I, and I get it. But the national anthem means a lot uh, to myself personally, a organization, our football team. I hope, you know, again, I can't speak. I haven't really talked to our team about it. I would hope we don't have those issues. I understand there's a lot going on in the world. Uh, I like to just keep it here. You know, what we deal with, we try to deal with as a team in our closed environment. We talk about things, but uh, hopefully that won't happen. 
All right, Kenny, what's your reaction to all that? Uh, well, peaceful dissent is actually quite patriotic. Bothers me more when my nieces or my sisters singing the anthem in Seattle and drunk people are not paying attention or making noise. I find that to be disrespectful. But there are, what, 2,000 players in the league? A handful might or might not sit down. Maybe more will join. It's, they're having that moment. They're not stopping anybody from, from doing anything they want, standing up, sitting down. So it's not like they're preventing others from honoring the flag in the way they think they should. By the flag, uh, sitting down for it, you could be saying, I want that flag to, to start representing the best principles of our country. And right now, a lot of us don't think that's the case. Um, love is correction. I think that's a part of it. And the, the message or the element of this that a lot of people have failed to understand is that Colin Kaepernick, Michael Bennett, Marshawn Lynch, all those athletes that have chosen to um, have chosen to execute this form of protest. They have not done it because they don't love this country. They've done it for the op- opposite reason. It's because they love it so much they want it to be better, which yes. I think we all understand, especially given some of the um, or the tragic events of this past weekend in Charlottesville. And I, I think what other people also don't understand that when you're a person of color, um, when you're a person of color living in this country with the history that it has, with the present-day scars that still exist, you don't get a break, okay? You don't get to do what Hugh Jackson is talking about, where you can practice this distance and pretend as if all these things that are happening around us um, aren't happening. It's hard enough for you and I to do that when we come into here. Absolutely. To act like the things that are going on in this world aren't happening, all right? I have to practice it every day for an hour, Monday through Friday. You heard him referring to, uh, Martel Spinnett, referring to stick to sports and all that. I think to be silent is to be complicit right now. Like, what else is there to possibly talk about? Today, the President of the United States defended racist organizations, gave cover to them, said it's on both sides. If there were an NBA league in season right now, and this, all this other stuff hadn't happened, nobody had sat down, I bet you people would be sitting down or clenched fists or doing something like that. And I just think peaceful dissent is, is a proper thing. It's a good thing. It's, it's challenged the government, the First Amendment rights. Whether First Amendment really applies to a privately held company, the NFL is another thing, although they are taxpayer-supported on airwaves that are allocated by the SEC. So I guess it's quasi-public-private. But well, I, I'm not encouraging people to sit down. I, th- I, I love our country. I stand up for it. I get emotional about the anthem personally. Uh, but, but sometimes I'm thinking about all these things as I do so. Right. So, but I, I don't begrudge anybody else from asserting their right of peaceful protest and dissent. Well, I mean, it, it's interesting that you, you brought up what happened with the president today, which obviously a lot of people are talking about. See, that's the thing, too, is that even if we wanted to stick to sports, we couldn't because the athletes are dragging us here. Because, you know, one of the first people to comment on the remarks from the president, it was LeBron James. Mm -hmm. And he's been quite vocal, especially, again, with what happened this weekend. You have Michael Bennett, who has chosen his former protest. You have other athletes who are speaking freely about this. Marshawn might have just been resting his legs. There's no telling (laughs) what he was doing. Well, you know him pretty well. (laughs) From my conversation, I don't know. Here's the thing. When Kaepernick did what he did, when he did what he did, you know the first guy to contact, or one of the first to reach out, Nate Boyer? Army veteran, yeah. hero, right? And he said, let's have a conversation. Maybe I don't agree that, you know, I'd rather you stand with me, but I'll stand next to you as you sit. Let's go sit down and talk. Let's, because this country is not perfect by, by any means, and there's a lot of political volatility going on right now. Everybody should be speaking up. I, I love hearing from all the veterans groups. So what do you guys have to say about everything that's going on right now? You know, all these voices should be heard. So if these athletes want to make their voice heard by doing a political thing in a public arena, 
so be it. No. Everybody else can stand up. You can dislike the guy if you want. You mm -hmm. can not root for him if you want. That's your freedom as well. Yeah, and it doesn't, I think as you brought this up a second ago, it doesn't prevent you um, from honoring your country in the way that you see fit. Uh, I, I'm just curious, with Michael Bennett taking the stance that he did and uh, Marshawn Lynch, we're not sure if it's a stance, but whatever it was, uh, even Malcolm Jenkins, with it seeming to be players, they're not ready to drop this. Do you think that helps Colin Kaepernick in terms of how people view his, his protest? I do, absolutely. I mean, and I asked Aaron Rodgers, we were interviewing him about, remember, he's in that golf tournament in Lake Tahoe. And the last question, we clowned the whole thing. I said, I got to ask one question, one serious question. I said, do you think Colin Kaepernick is about, among the best 32 quarterbacks on the planet, or if not that, at least the best 64? He's like, like why are you even asking? Of course he is. I still think he's in the best 32 personally, but let's just say 64. It's pretty obvious why he isn't being taken. Now, I understand it from the team's perspective, only to the sense of, do we want this headache? That's, that's why they're, they're not doing it. But I, I would hope there's one little more courageous team, like, okay, I think people will get over it. He has, he has a political stance to make. So what? He can still throw. I remember when we used to play him, when I say we, I mean the Seahawks. Every down you were scared of this guy. Now, I don't know if he, I don't think he just fell apart and forgot to be a quarterback. That team kind of disassembled. Oh, yeah. And it can't be put the all the blame on him. Right. Uh, you, you go back, this is a crazy thought. If, if, if Richard Sherman hadn't tipped that ball, how different would everything would be with him? Absolutely. It seems They'd be like, in the Super Bowl. Well, and it also seems that when uh, we have a perception that somebody's a winner, they're allowed to, quote, get away with more, right. if you will, especially in this arena. Can we been serious long enough? I think it's time Let's we have a little around. bit of fun. Let's turn this around. In uh, other news, <laughs> in the fantasy news. football draft. Yeah. Um, speaking of doing too much, because we we're going to do the doing too much we countdown together. We call it together, trying too hard. Or trying too hard. Um, but I would say Sarah Spain, she probably did the most today. I, I have so many takes to give. So I many. Do. You're Mike Dicka, but you have crabs. That was horrible that you said that. This guy is a bunch of dead weight, not helping me at all. Have you seen any cops lately? Because Adam Schefter was wondering. We did. This one that was uh, yeah. real big for his britches. Really feeling himself. Yeah. Real power trip. Throw those chips in the air as if you just don't care. I don't all right, care, guys. man. I don't care at all. Are we ready to draft this yeah, fantasy yeah, team? Can I get my pick, pick in? Yeah. Tony Romo. Yeah. Sleeper pick. Gonna score more points than Jay Cutler, though. Uh. And uh, joining me now is Sarah Spain, who is in the middle of the 28-hour fantasy football marathon. Um, Sarah, be honest, what was your training like for this marathon? <laughs> Let me in on what your methods of preparation were. Well, I'll tell you what. All the preparation I've done for all-nighters uh, stopped a long time ago, back when I was in college. And the only all-nighters that I usually pull these days involve too much alcohol and a bunch of friends and then realizing at some point, wow, it's 6 a.m., I should go to bed. Um, I didn't get to do that at 6 a.m. this morning, and I didn't have any alcohol. So all I had going for me was I slept in a little bit yesterday, and I had a little bit of coffee this morning, and the rest is just the sheer joy of providing the nation with incredible content and information for 28 straight hours. For my money, anytime you want to break away from a civil rights discussion, you go yeah. to a green screen <laughs> with Sarah Spain on a unicorn. That'll bring some levity to the situation. You know we specialize in very smooth transitions. Yeah. <laughs> we did a skit with them last night. Yeah. Uh, Caliendo and I went in. And Golik Jr., Golik 2.0, I call him. Um, and we, I don't know what we did, but whatever it was, was pretty stupid. Nobody knows. And we'll yeah. do more. I, I threatened to come back because it's 7 Eastern. Okay. I'm back on that show uh, trying to help out as I can. Okay. I look forward to it. It was, that might have been one of my favorite parts. And my other favorite part was when 
Around 3.30 a.m., Schefter came in and played a cop, and his mustache kept getting unstuck and sticking to the megaphone he was speaking into, and I could not stop laughing. And we were doing a brief rehearsal just to figure out what we wanted to do, and he was just swearing up a storm. And I was like, whoa, 3.30 a.m., Schefter, I want to get on board with this guy. (laughs) Give me all your facts like that. out of his mind. He just is. But I love the guy. No, I I love him, too. You brought up, uh, what do you call him, Golik Mm 2.0. So being that you've been, Sarah, in close confines with a Golik 2.0. What have you learned about your teammate? <laughs> yes, I will say this much. Golik 2.0 is uh, a big bundle of energy and enthusiasm. Right now, he is just about to enter zombie territory. We have to say his name multiple times before he recognizes that we're talking to him, and he's very glazed over. I don't think he's actually doing as well as I am, which is surprising because he's very young, and he's, he really should be in better shape than I am. But uh, he's full of energy, full of quick wit, and uh, doesn't smell bad, surprisingly. Uh, and is, other than just eating nonstop for the entire 24 hours we've been on, uh, he's been a joy to work with. And I mean that with all sincerity. Okay. Well, I saw at some point you guys drank some steak sauce. He drank some steak sauce, yes. <laughs> shortly before, he had to go to the hospital for a steak-induced medical emergency. And then I finished the steak for him. I think that was a little bit after his dad had to bail us out of jail because Schefter arrested him for those unpaid parking tickets. And shortly before, we caught that hot air balloon to Vegas, and then he dropped all of the money that we got from the meth dealers on the ground. And we had to start <laughs> over. And, um, and, I mean, listen, guys, it's been a really rough couple hours, but mm. I- I'm dedicated to bringing really to great entertainment to the people of America. <laughs> You're right. Speaking of steak sauce, I play with a guy who thought A1 sauce was called Al sauce. <laughs> Kitty, who are, you, who are you hanging around? No, when he was younger. He, he, when he, oh, when he, he was learned. younger. Okay, he learned. he learned better. He just uh-huh. wanted to tell that story. I'm glad I got to share with you while you're yeah, on the Yeah, I'm unicorn. glad you did, too. <laughs> Sarah, can I ask you a quick uh, sports question? By the way, sure. Golik has tattoos. I give my best takes be from a unicorn. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Golik, what's with the tattoo? Golik's just, come on. What's, what's going on <laughs> over He's still talking about 2.0. Quick question. Mitch Trubisky. Yes. How soon is he going to be the starter? Oh, yeah. Well, my favorite thing was that John Fox, knowing that the Mitchapalooza hype had gotten so big after just one preseason game. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Knowing it had gotten so big after just one preseason game, he rolled out the Tim Tebow comparison to slow us all down. He said, yeah, this is exactly what it was like when Tim Tebow played for the first time. The hype was unbearable. You know, slow your roll. I don't think he did that because he's comparing them talent-wise. I think he's just trying to keep the city of Chicago a little bit at bay, Um, not because I think that they are going to stick to their guns, even if it doesn't make sense in terms of starting Mike Lennon, but more so because I think they feel like uh, they want Trubisky to get a solid base before he's thrown in, and they don't want to pick up bad habits. So if that means Mike Lennon for a couple games or even half the season, they might do it. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case, though, based on how he looked in that first game. If he keeps it up in the ensuing preseason games, we could see a total change of uh, a change of mind from that Bears front office. We're all set in Seattle at the quarterback position. Oh, oh stop yeah. it. This guy, uh, look at us sports in it. Thank mm-hmm. you, Sarah. Yeah, you turned up a good second man because he was too good to be a backup. Remember that? Oh, that was great. Oh, no, I gave a Kaepernick tape from the unicorn. Know it's not too late. <laughs> you never know. Look, the penguin behind you is getting jealous. Uh, Sarah, take <laughs> okay, care. Why are you so... I'm not being cold-blooded. I'm just, it was, a little, say it. It was a little melodramatic. It was not was melodramatic. The man cares. I'm glad hate? he does. Why do you hate men? <laughs> we lost. In fact, I think the game ended. The bases were loaded. I was on second base. And, um, is there going to be an intermission in this story? No. Leave me alone. Tom Izzo is the kind of guy to just offer his advice and all those other things. So yeah. I can the see Jamel both sides. show continues right after this. I story. mean, my name is. I am the her. So... Mm-hmm. 
Oh. Those were the days. I remember you'd be over in that weird studio. People need to see yeah. to get the, the context of it. Side studio. I, I'd come in. And now look at us. We've all grown team. up. Um, this, so this is doing too much. This is doing too much. White people call it trying too hard. <laughs> what is this? Um, this is Phil uh, Kessel after winning oh. his second Stanley Cup. You know what? I kind of like that because they. Stanley I Cup love what they, I love what they do in hockey, where the cup gets faster and you can do crazy stuff with it. I think it's great, but your dog. So he ate out of it. Okay. After a dog. Oh, well, that's ate out different. Of it. Uh, we just got a dog, Gretchen and I, who I just married. Yep. Hi, Gretchen. And his name's Jed, and okay. he doesn't like me, but we're working with him. Um, for their game against UCLA in September, the Georgetown men's soccer team will have... I know a kid who plays on that team. Do you? Okay. Riley Strausner. Where they're going to have Millennial Day, where fans will be given participation trophies, a safe space for dabbing, and a millennial section where there will be no verbal communication, only cell phone. Millennials get hit hard, but I read a thing on Twitter that they saying, yeah, also millennials are serving in our United States military, so I'm, I'm with the millennials. Way to bring the seriousness. You know, no, I think young kid people get put. I, I love my daughter's class. They're smart. They're she changed. They're gonna blame everything on they, millennials. We blame it on the youngsters. We're the one who handed them this problem. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Good news, Raiders fans. Uh, Derek Carr is not it. releasing a single. He's trying to get Zoolander three. <laughs> he, he just he tweeted this as a joke, oh, and it is then pretty it's funny. Okay. Then it's okay. Then it's I, okay. Then he's funny. I thought he was really doing it. Okay, but you know who really did it? Magnum. Something like this, Brett Favre. <laughs> I, re- I recall that picture. You recall that? You got some jean shorts. I like how we did a story about Brett Favre and his Wrangler jeans, about how he wanted players to wear them during the game to support the Wrangler jeans deal. With Jared Allen wearing jorts, it's a long story, but you can look it up on the internet. Is there intermission? Did you just in run the forever? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> See what I did there? I got uh, so, Sarah Whiteside was in DTM yesterday for investigating a dead bird at his house. Today, Chiefs linebacker Derek Johnson, he's just straight up scared of birds. Take a listen. What? I don't blame him. Are you scared of birds? Uh, the Seahawk hawk they bring on the field. I've been on the. I don't want anything to do it. It's gonna I mean, peck it's my. Hawk. It's gonna peck my eyes out. I want nothing to do with it. Okay, but that looks like Tweety Bird. Like it's a big Still, difference between a hawk and Tweety Bird. Peck your eyes. Look at the kid. <laughs> oh wait, the kid. Yeah, the kid hates it. Are you uh, unusually afraid of any? No, I love animals? dogs. Okay. Love deer. Even though the dog didn't like you. The dog, he was not treated well. So we're kind of a rescue dog. We're bringing gotcha. him back. Makes sense. That's making a comeback. So, Kenny, the Lawrence Police Department has been tweeting out helpful tips to incoming freshmen, such as don't sell weed out of your dorm because you will get robbed. And the argument outside of a bar at 2 a.m. isn't important. It's the alcohol talking. This is a good one, too. Outside downtown is not your personal urinal. It's disgusting, and so are you. Those are all good tips. Those are all. And you I, can make it through four should, years without getting arrested. You should hear the speeches I've been giving my daughter. She's going off to college. So what have you done? Uh, the the two thousand. The, the don't drink anything if you haven't seen the cup. You don't. I mean, like safety things. Safety stuff. And and watch your social media. Okay. I should I should follow around and buy. Well, tell her not to urinate outside. Yeah. Anything. Or just legalize it. <laughs> One of the two. Kitty, thank you so much for joining me. It was fun. I get away with so much more when you're on this show. Now it's time to talk to myself for several minutes. Don't worry, I do it all the time. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, he belted his 43rd home run of the season last night, passing Gary Sheffield for the franchise's single-season home run record. After the game, his teammates, as great teammates would do, showered him with beer. 
It was Stanton's fifth straight game with a homer. Beer, though, that won't cool off him. Uh, Stanton has 22 homers in his last 34 games. Are you ready for me to blow your mind? Only Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa had more had a more 34, a productive 34 games stretch. And Marvin Bagley III committed to Duke last night because Lord knows Duke needed another top recruit. They only have four of the top ten recruits this season. Um, also, they are now the favorites to win the title. Spoiler alert, they won't. My school is going to win it in 2018. Yeah, I said it. That's what happens when you're by yourself on the show. Uh, like a lot of people, I often thought that Brad Stevens uh, had the makeup of a championship coach. Well, now that is confirmed. He told the Indy Star that he plays Miss Pac-Man to unwind. It's his favorite game. Mine, too, as all such geniuses know. So here's the hierarchy. It goes Miss Pac-Man, Gallagher, Donkey Kong, Frogger, Centipede, don't at me or debate me. Uh, Katie, Mello, and LeBron, they played the most epic excuse me, pickup game of all time in New York. I would kind of pay for this in person. I think most of us would. Unfortunately, they probably won't be LeBron's teammates anytime soon. All right, time for me to get out of here. So let me tell you who had a good day. Rockies pitcher Chad Bettis returned to the mound last night for his first start of the season after being diagnosed with testicular cancer in November. And he has since undergone surgery and nine weeks of chemo. Tossed seven scoreless innings as the Rockies beat the Braves 3-0. That's it for me. Michael Smith is actually back tomorrow. Welcome back to work. ESPN News, the fantasy football marathon continues next.